630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Great goaltending tonight by Vancouver's Thatcher Demko. 34 saves. The Oilers only beat them once. And the Canucks end the Oilers' four-game winning streak. 2-1 is the final. The teams traded power play goals in the second period. Bo Horvat got credit for a rugby scrum goal. In the second period, Leon Dreisaitl blasted home a one-timer. Dreisaitl was blasting a lot of shots away tonight. He finished with six shots on goal. But then Tyler Myers, a big slap shot at 9.23 of the third, turned out to be the winner. So Vancouver takes it 2-1. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. It's 11 o'clock along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins, Heartland Ford, overtime, open line, and Rob Demko, really the story in this one. And as much as the Oilers got some pressure in the final six or seven minutes of the third period, got a power play where they were taking a lot of pucks and trying to get them through to the net, I think really Demko's performance in the first period was maybe the biggest part of this game. I agree, Reed. Uh, the Oilers came out and were flying to start the hockey game. They they look like a team that was fully confident in their game and they rolled four lines. They had a number of great scoring chances. Uh, they probably missed a few of them too, a couple two-on-ones that they weren't able to capitalize on. Twice Leon, which you don't usually see. Leon had the puck on his stick and wasn't able to, to get the puck across. But they came out and played well. And we've seen many times when one team dominates a period and they don't you know, take a lead into the first intermission, it comes back to bite them. And Thatcher Demko gave his team a fighting chance. He's been playing very well of late. He's getting the bulk of the games. He's wrestled the number one job away, and he's now the, the, the starter for the Canucks, and deservedly so. He was excellent in this hockey game. And it, I agree, you said after, I don't know, it was after the first or the second that it, it looked like it might be a, a one nothing hockey game, the way both goalies were playing. Well, it was close to that as Demko was excellent. And the other thing that as the game went on was the Canucks, because they hung around, their desperation level was high, and they blocked an incredible number of shots, which we saw especially in the last minute of the hockey game when it looked like the others had two or three chances. But, yeah, Demko was the difference early and gave the Canucks a chance to win this hockey game. Yeah, blocked shots tonight. The Oilers blocked 19. The Canucks blocked 25, including six each by Edler and Hamannick. Vancouver wins it 2-1. Let's go into the Zoom room, courtesy Mattress Superstore. Give them five minutes, and they'll give you the best sleep of your life. Take the Sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress. Here's head coach Dave Tippett. Hey, Dave. Um, did you get any sort of explanation on their first goal? That mad scramble in front looked like uh, maybe the whistle might have, should have, may have been blown in that instance. I think, and, you know, I don't know. I've been around the game a long time. It's eight or nine out of ten times that gets blown down i guess tonight it wasn't they said it wasn't covered up and it banged around there and ended up in our net was there any thought of maybe challenging for goaltender interference no there wasn't there wasn't goaltender interference they just should have been blown down it was covered up a number of times until they were jamming jam it uh it was under under some legs and stuff usually usually it just gets blown down but it wasn't Overall, are you happy with the effort? Because it looked like you guys did come up with a good effort. It's just a matter of their guy first, made a couple big saves. First period, we were, uh, I thought we were, we were solid first period. I'd like to see us get more direct, like more like win a hard, hard 
game on the road on a back-to-back like you got you got to get the puck on the net there's there's just some areas that we had some chances but you'd like to see it bear down a little more in the chances and see if you can get a lead and then uh when you when you get behind you chase it and it's a lot harder when you play the night before Jimmy carson smith canadian press hi dave um you talked about how uh, the first goal should have been blown down, but uh, what does it mean to you to see your team come back four minutes later and score one of their own there? Well, we got a power play. It's good to get it back, but then there's ebbs and flows of the game. But you got to you got to turn the ebbs in your favor. We're coming here to win, not to not to just get even so you know that's that's a disappointing thing tonight we we did some things uh, all right we had some chances but we didn't win we got to we got to come here with the mindset we got to do whatever it takes to win and we didn't do it tonight big push in the final uh, couple minutes there especially with the uh, power play what was your thought going into that one and uh what were you you feeling having six uh, six guys on the ice there well, you're pushing. You're trying to find find an opportunity. We had some opportunities that got blocked. That's the way it goes sometimes. Mark Spector, Sportsnet. Where are we with the uh, line deployment of McDavid and Drysdale together? You talked earlier this week about how it, you weren't sure what it did to the rhythm of your lines, Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you thinking now? Uh, we'll think tonight. Every day is a new day. We'll see where it comes up tomorrow. <laughs> Do you, uh, I mean, your team didn't play bad. You played a- No, no, we, we were all right. We should have capitalized on some chances, but there's, there's that being said, we didn't win, so we didn't do enough to win. Thank you. Brian Rashogs, TSN. Along those lines, Dave, I think you had something like 70 shot attempts. Uh, just a thought on your your team's sort of intention to shoot the puck. Would you, would you like to see a little bit more selection, or are you happy with directing it at the net that often? Well, I'd like to see a few more results. A few more, a few more in the net instead of blocked or beside the net or goalies making save. It's, just, it's about winning. you got to score more to, to win. And we didn't score enough to win. Do you feel like enough of those were, you know, from the from the inside, and did you, did you like where they were coming from? Yeah, we had we had some good attempts, but but you got to bury some of those, and that's, you know, it's too easy just to say some nights they go in, some nights they don't. You, we'd rather be on the ledger where they go in most nights, and tonight we weren't there. There are no more questions. This concludes tonight's media availability. All right, that is Oilers head coach Dave Tippett following a 2-1 loss to the Vancouver Canucks. He was asked a couple of questions about Vancouver's first goal. I'm sure most of you have seen it. If you did not see it, you will see it on a highlight, or if you have an old tape of a football game or a rugby game, you could put that in on a goal line stand and watch it. And, and Rob, he Tippett explained there was no goalie interference to challenge. Mm-hmm. But he thought the puck should have been blown dead. And watching it on television, I was waiting for that. I'll give the referee credit. From a couple of replay angles, you could see the puck bouncing around at, at the top of the crease. You did lose it for a while as it apparently got shoved towards the net. So maybe there the whistle could have gone. But but I, I got to admit, and I know, I know Oilers fans probably won't like to hear this, at the end of the day, after seeing the replays, I didn't have a problem with the call. 
No, I agree. I agree with you too. It, it it's one of those. If you're a, an Oiler fan, well, obviously you should have blown it dead. If you're a Canuck fan, well, the puck's open. He, he's got to get to it. So uh, normally, you see that blown. I mean, I agree with you. We're watching on TV. We're like, okay, why are they not blowing the whistle? Like seriously, like there's 19 guys in the crease, and uh, there's no way that puck is free. But when they did show, they showed a couple different angles. It kept bouncing around. It was funny because it would come to the defenseman near the goal line. He'd punch it out. Then it would come back to him. He'd punch it out. And no one was able to cover it. And just the way um, Koskinen's body was, he was kind of contorted and turned to the side. And he wasn't, um, honestly, he wasn't even close to being to the goal line. The puck was always beside him. So the guy that you want covering it was never able to get the puck underneath him. And I think that's one of the reasons the referee let it play on. Because if the puck became dead or covered, it was probably going to be underneath a defenseman, which is a penalty shot. So he just kept letting it go because it was never underneath Koskinen, at least in the, the, the replays that I saw. Now, maybe if you take a longer look at it or you get it to, to slow it down and, and watch it over and over again, maybe there was a chance he could have blown the whistle. But from the replays I saw on the television, to me it looked like it was the right call. But you're frustrated if you're a, an Oiler or an Oiler fan because normally a whistle is much quicker. Yeah, that's the thing. And you saw the referee standing there, and, and obviously on television, you couldn't see the puck at all. So the Canucks got that one over the line. Uh, Horvat got credit from Pearson. And the Oilers came back on a power play, and the Oilers' power play winds up going one for four tonight. The Canucks were one for two. Oilers' PK is not great on the season. But the Oilers, I mean, they, they had two power plays basically back-to-back. There was a 23-second crossover where they had a five-on-three. Canucks couldn't get the puck out. No, no. Well, and for two things. Well, I mean, when you're pressured, and that's one thing that the, the Oilers, you know, Dreisaitl and, and Yamamoto and McDavid are very good at pressuring guys. They they get they close quickly. So you, you think you got time to get the puck out, and you're trying to make the perfect shot, and all of a sudden you got feel pressure. So you don't get the shot that you want out. You don't get it as hard as you want or put it in the right direction. So there was that one, the pressure on the players. And the other one was, I mean, when McDavid knocks a puck out, would you put it shoulder high? And the guy at the blue line, not only does he knock it down, he knocks it down to himself and is able to make a play and keep the puck alive. Then you're in trouble. And then you get tired, you get fatigued, and the brain starts to, to make mistakes. And then when the puck comes on your stick, you're just panicking and throwing it anywhere. And you can't you can't give the Oilers power play more than one chance. And that power play, when they scored the goal, that was their third chance. They had a couple chances to get it out. And it was just a matter of time before it was going in. And the puck eventually got on Dreisaitl's stick, and he made no mistake. Uh, the only thing that I would have liked, or, well, I guess liked, is late in the game when the Oilers had their 5-on-4 power play at the very end of the game, I would have started the PP with 6-on-4. Mm-hmm. I would have just went right, right away, pull your goalie, go six on four at the two and a half minute mark and, and go for it. There's, to me, there's zero chance that the Canucks would have had. If you have a six on four for two and a half minutes, you know, go throw pressure at them right away. Don't wait for the opportunity to pull your goalie. Do it right off the face off and give yourself the best chance. Yeah, I, I I know you like the early polls. I, mm-hmm. I don't mind giving the power play just normally a, a minute. And here's what bothers me in those situations, because Vancouver can ice it without yep. worrying about an icing, and there's yep. that one but in you, however many chance it's going to go in the empty net and end the game. Yeah, but who cares that when you're the team's always ice it anyways. If it's six on five, they're still icing the puck. As soon as they get the puck, they're throwing it down no matter what. So 
you put a six on four out there, they shouldn't have a chance to ice the puck. I mean, you, you, as soon as the Oilers pulled their goalie and they got it in the offensive zone, Vancouver couldn't get the puck out. They didn't get a chance. So start six on four. Give yourself the longest possible time to be six on four. I've played on power plays. And I've been on, when I'm on six on four, the other team doesn't touch the puck. And I've hit penalty killed. Normally in the minors or in junior, when the other team pulled their goalie, you don't touch the puck. You just hope that your goalie makes a save or you can deflect the puck out. But to me, start six on four. Because whenever you watch a team go six on four, it's absolute domination. As we saw eventually when they did pull their goalie, that's when the Oilers got all their chances. All right, so the Canucks win it 2-1. You can get us on the Certainteed hotline, 780-496-0063. Certainteed, professional-grade building materials, pro all the way. We'll get to Robert on the open line. When we get back, we're looking for a contestant to finish the play. You're also going to hear from Leon Dreisaitl and Ethan Bear. It's Heartland Ford, overtime open line. All right, the Oilers' four-game winning streak comes to an end. Their record now 18-12 and on the season. They lose to the Canucks 2-1. They bump up their record to 13, 16, and 2. The Oilers will be in Calgary on Monday and Wednesday, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, like they did their last couple of outings against Ottawa, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Chet.com. That's presented by Japanese Village Restaurants. Thrilled to serve you again for dine-in and takeout. Complete details at jvedmonton.ca. Demko, obviously the star of this game. Koskinen, Rob, winds up stopping 26 out of 28. What do you think of his night? I thought he was good. I thought he had a good game. Um, the one goal was uh, a 14-man scramble in the crease. He has absolutely no chance on. And the game-winning goal was, uh, I've seen Myers do that a number of times. You let a guy walk into inside the top of the circle with nobody in front of him. and He, he took his time winding up. Uh, to me, he had no chance in that one either. So, yeah, he Koskinen gave him a chance to win the hockey game as well. I thought both goaltenders were good in this game. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Robert standing by. Robert, thanks for phoning in. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, I mean, you know what? I think overall, I, 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 I think the Oilers played well tonight. I mean, you know, I mean, it's a, a second of a back-to-back. Um, you know, I thought, you know, like you guys talked about, Koskinen was good. I mean, I thought the Myers goal he maybe could have had, but I, but I mean, that was, uh, I mean, that was an absolute bomb. So I miss. I mean, he didn't have, he didn't have, a, he 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 not much of a chance on that. And uh, you know, it gets in the. Uh, McDavid and Drysdale line. I thought, you know, while well, they were they were uh, they were dominant as usual, but you know, but uh, but you know, honestly, I thought I thought the other I thought the other three lines were okay. But I mean, you know, Nuge, Nuge and Nuge and pulled the Nuge pulled Arvey on its line. I thought, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I kind of thought uh, I kind of thought that Ennis was all right again. But I mean, I guess uh, I guess I wonder now. I guess uh, I guess I guess the one thing I wonder is uh, now when we're going into Calgary it's like you know, like you guys had mentioned earlier the possibility that big David and Dryside will get uh, do get right. do get do, uh, do get broken up I guess uh, I, I guess what I'm wondering is does uh, does Tippett does Tippett bring Cahoon back in and go Cahoon Dryside Yamamoto or is, or is he gonna or is he gonna leave he or does he leave uh, Yamamoto up on the top line because I I I think Yamamoto has been good up there. I mean, I, I know, I know, I know he's playing with, he, he's playing with the two best players, but I mean, I think, uh, I still say at the same time, I think, uh, I, 
uh, you know, I mean, I still think uh, you could have, I think you could go, I don't know, I think you could maybe go Dreisaitl, Dreisaitl pull Yarvey Nuge and maybe go Yamamoto, Yamamoto with uh, McDavid. But yeah. I mean, that's just, but uh, that's kind of what, that's kind of what I'm thinking. But I mean, you know, but I think because, you know, because because uh, there, there's been times, even though like, we've been playing weaker teams like Ottawa, there's been times where like, where like when the, when the McDavid and, when McDavid and Drysaddle are out there at the same time together, and then they come off, I've, I kind of see, I kind of see like spots of of like the the Oilers of old when they didn't, when they didn't, when they didn't have anybody. So McDavid and Drysaddle had to play together. Like I, right. I see moments, I see moments when those two are not on the ice, where the the Oilers kind of look like that team where like where like they're not they're not really a threat. But but that's just. But I mean, you know what? I think we're, you know, I think we're still, uh, I mean, we're still in a good spot, right? I mean, you know, uh, yeah. 30 games, okay. 30 games, yeah. 18 and yeah. So I mean, no. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Robert. We, we I, I, I hear what you're saying there. Um, yeah. I don't know, Rob, how long they're going to stick with this, with this alignment. I, I thought the Ennis, Nugent Hopkins and Puliarvi trio kind of led a bit of a charge there after the Canucks went up in the game. Uh, yeah, but they were minor. Well, I know Nuge was minus tonight, but they, <laughs> They're not going to produce. If you, the Oilers are not deep enough, and we've seen this in the past that if Connor and Leon are together, offense is not going to be uh, as prevalent. The rest of the lines, the second line is you're not you're not going to have a second line. You will have you know three third lines if Leon and Connor are together. Um, I think that if they change the lines, that Connor. Well, to me, Connor will either be playing with. Leon next game, or he'll be playing with RNH next game. That's that's my predictions. I don't know which way they're going to go with it, but he'll have one of the two. I don't believe Leon, RNH, and Yamamoto will be a line. Uh, I think that Nuge will be playing with Connor, or Leon will be playing with Connor. I have a feeling they'll split those two up. Uh, Calgary's a much better hockey club. They keep moving up in weight class as this this week moves on. They're getting they're playing harder teams. They started with Ottawa, then they got a little bit better against Vancouver. Calgary's playing good hockey right now, so. Uh, I, th- I think Dave Tippett would like to have a number one and a number two line. And the only way you can do that is by splitting up the two stars. I've got a really good question here from Rob and Capilano. He says, was wondering when Staylock becomes available, what the Oilers will do with Koskinen, if anything, when that comes along. Well, it's two weeks on Monday since Staylock was claimed. And then you probably saw John Shannon tweeting and updating that he was driving here. So so he'll go into the middle of the week to, to be in quarantine. And then he has to practice. He has not mm-hmm. played a game this year. I think if he's fit to play, I, I think they'll take a look at him at some point. Now, I mean, he did have... He, he did have a heart condition mm-hmm. uh, called myocarditis. That's an inflammation of the heart muscle. So you got to make sure he's fit to play. But the interesting thing about Staluck is he's also under contract for next season. So I, I, I think there's a chance he, uh, he could play this season, but he could factor into expansion protection or maybe someone they think, okay, we need this guy on the roster next year. It's really interesting to see how it's going to play out with him. It, 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 when's the last time he played a game? Was it last March before the pause? Or did he uh, play? No, he played in the bubble, did, didn't he? Did he play? I, I don't know. I'm pretty did, sure he did. Did he? Okay, so he would have played in early August. So it's been a while before since he's played a hockey game. 
Um, it's a tough one, uh, and that's it's a good question. My guess is it'll be a couple weeks anyways before they make any decisions because they're going to want to get them back up to speed. I mean, this is a goaltender going to be going in against National Hockey League shooters. You don't want to put them in after two or three practices. you got to give them a couple weeks, and then it'll be based on Koskinen. If Koskinen struggles in a start or two, then it's easy to make the move. But Koskinen, he had a good start tonight. You don't want, you're not going to bring another guy in to play if Koskinen's playing well. He's Koskinen. They got another year left with Koskinen on his contract. I mean, there is a there is a much better chance of Koskinen being here next year and not Smith. So uh, you are you you're not going to put Koskinen on the taxi squad unless it's deserved. But it is, and it, it is interesting that they got this kid, and this kid, as he was the starter for the Minnesota Wild last year, he he took the, the job away from Devin Dubnik. So the guy is a capable goaltender, but it's a very delicate situation because you've, you know, you should, or it looks like Koskinen will be your goalie next year here as well. So I don't know if you want to make him your third stringer unless it's deserved. Yeah, Stalock was the goalie for Minnesota. It just was double checking and stuff, texted in as well. I couldn't remember if he played every game, but he did. Uh, he did play all the games against Vancouver in the uh, in the bubble here in Edmonton. Ken writes in. He says if Connor and Leon are paired together, they have to score three. There's too much trickle down damage to the rest of the lineup to make up the difference against teams that aren't Ottawa. Nuge and Pooley suffer without Big David. Ennis moves up, and now Kara isn't as effective without him. I thought this experiment was over last year. They can't play on the same line and have this team win against competent teams. Won't work, never has. And would someone please win a face-off other than Dreisaitl? <laughs> well, that's a good What was this face-off tonight? Uh, well, Dreisaitl had a rare off night. He went mm-hmm. 10 for 22 for 45%. Well, as a result, the Oilers were 40% as a team. Yeah, and he went against Horvat all night long. Horvat is a good centerman. Horvat's a good hockey player, a very good hockey player. I, I mean, everything that guy texted in was right. I mean, I, I, there's nothing I could disagree with, on with that. The others are down the lines. Lines two, three, and four are not near as effective when you put those two guys together. And the others aren't deep enough on the wings to be able to, uh, you know, to, for, for Nuge. I mean... I don't, Nuge to me now is a very, very good complimentary hockey player, but I'm not sure he can drive a line and be an effective with what the Oilers have on their roster. So I agree with everything that that uh, that guy texted in. I don't think it's it, it'll happen though. I mean, it'll happen. They're going to play together another ten years. I mean, mm-hmm. it'll happen from time to time. No, it's absolutely. always going to be an option for the coach. Yep. But it's right, though, is when when they're together, it's one of those ones, okay, they, they need to have a big night for them, for the Oilers to win, because if they're playing together, you're probably not getting two goals from the rest of your lineup. Yeah, you're so trying they, to it, tie the game with the rest of the guys on the ice. Absolutely. So they have to, and against teams like Ottawa, well, I mean, the four or five night, four or five goal nights from that line is very possible. When you're playing against good teams, it's a lot harder, as we saw tonight. They can be shut down with good goaltending. And if they are, now you need the other line to pick it up. And what we've seen in the past, when those two are together, the other lines are not near as strong. So, yeah, it, everything he said was absolutely correct. 2-1, the Canucks win it tonight. I want to thank James H. Brown and Associates Serious Injury Lawyers. They're given 100 bucks to 630 Chet Santos Anonymous for every goal the Oilers score throughout the season. And we're now at an even 100 goals.
So there you go. Thanks to James Jace Brown and Associates Serious Injury Lawyers. The Certainty Hotline is 780-496-0063. We have John on the line. Go ahead, John. Hey you guys, um, I don't just but just between the three of us, I don't think Nuge has ever really been a line driver like Rob's. Like I think he's always been a complimentary player. He's not strong enough on his skates. Um, I like him, but Rob's bang on when he says he's just a complimentary player. Um, um, Reed and Rob, like uh, Bob always talks about, like our goaltending. Like I've said this before, it's just not good enough. Like I mean, I like Koskinen was good tonight. Um, uh, you know, we were a goalpost away from tying it. Like Connor hit the post. Um, you know, to be honest, um, Miko is probably uh, should pro- what he should be is about a two million dollar backup. Instead, he's a four and a half million dollar starter. But Stoff always talks about Elvis Mers Lincoln's from Columbus. Um, I I just want to let everybody know, or you guys probably know this already, but they've got Mers Lincoln's and Corpusallo, basically two number one guys. They proved that last year in the playoffs when they pushed uh, Tampa right to the limit. They got a goaltending prospect in the KHL named Daniel Tarasov, who's a really good prospect, uh, 21 years old. He's coming over. His contract's up to the end of this year. Um, Reed, what are they going to do? When expansion comes with Seattle, like they got to move one of those guys. Um, you know, they only got a few, well, six or whatever. It's whenever the expansion draft's going to be. Um, they they they're both. They can't protect them both. So, what's going to happen with those two? And the question I have for Rob is, um, Dylan Holloway. Uh, hopefully, he comes out of college this year. Rob, what have you heard? Like, who is like when you think when you say Dylan Holloway? Who is he? Um, William Nylander? Is he a young Patrick Marlowe? Is he? You know, like who do scouts like compare him to? And I'll just stop hanging up and listen. Thanks, guys. Those are two pretty good players. If he turns out to be either one of those, that's good. Um, I, all I know about him is from what I've seen and uh, at the World Juniors. Uh, I know that he was a guy that uh, sort of people were surprised at first when he was drafted by the Oilers, but as we all got to, to meet him when he was with the World Juniors, oh, this guy's actually quite good. And then now you're seeing what he's doing down in college and a chance to be a Hobie Baker winner. He, he's in the running for that. He's, it's hard to predict what someone is, is in junior or when they are in college because they're not playing against men yet. But everything that he has done is taking steps forward. I would not be shocked that when his college is over that he comes up and maybe he does play for the Edmonton Oilers this year. If, uh, I mean, the Oilers, we, we've said it time and time again, the Oilers, to me, are one left winger in the top six away right now. Well, I think he'd go to Bakersfield if he turned pro. Possibly, well, he, that probably, but it's still, I mean, I don't know. They, the others the others don't have a, a left winger up, up front in their top six. So they got to find one somewhere. And I don't know if you're going to trade for it, but they they do not have it right now on their roster. They keep putting Band-Aids there. If RNH plays with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl always has a Band-Aid on his left-hand side. And they need somebody that can do more than just dig pucks out of the corner. I mean, Leon Dreisaitl, when he was playing with Cahoon and Yamamoto, he was second in the National Hockey League in scoring, and his left winger had eight points, and his right winger had 11 at that point. That's that's not near enough production out of your second line when you're playing with last year's scoring champion and last year's Hart Trophy winner. The Oilers need a left winger in their top six. I don't know, maybe Holloway's the guy. I, I don't see how he could be the guy at at that age. Like, how, no, how I, would you? Well, you, you oh, for this, I don't for know. I know, not, I know nothing about him, but I know right now they don't have it. They don't have it in their on the roster. 
So you've got to find it somewhere. So of all the times we've talked about not relying on young players to save the team, now you're relying but I'm not on saying, I'm not saying to, to save, save the, team. the team. I'm not saying to save the team. I'm saying right now they don't have that player. They they do not have him on the roster. And I, give, I mean, it's not like you're taking him up at the beginning of the season and saying you're staying here all year. By the time he's here, the season's mostly over. So I I have no I know I don't know that much about Holloway. I haven't seen him play college hockey. So I'm just saying that the Oilers need somebody in their top six. And they've got to find it somewhere. Now I don't know if you can find it in a trade. I mean they normally I mean last year they, they swung and missed when they tried to find when they brought double A in here. Uh Ennis is a, a nice complimentary player, but he's not a top six player anymore. And right now, Leon Dreisaitl has been playing. It's, it's probably because I believe RNH is going to be back with Connor McDavid. Leon Dreisaitl is playing with a Band-Aid on his left-hand side. He's got nobody there that is a second-line winger. And you want to go against the Winnipegs and the Torontos. That's who you're going to have to go through to get through the playoffs. Uh, I think the others need to upgrade on the left-hand side. Well, sure, but you know somebody's texting in, and we get this almost every night now about getting. Uh, Dan says, "Can you trade for Buffalo and get? Can you trade for Taylor Hall and get Buffalo to retain half his salary? What's a realistic offer you can send Buffalo for Taylor Hall?" Well, the, well. the problem is the Oilers aren't. I, I don't think the Oilers are deep enough that to give up their good players for a rental. A, I don't think you want to do that. I mean, Taylor Hall certainly would help your team. He'd be very good on your second line or your first line or whatever. Um, but they're going to be asking for a king's ransom in Buffalo for that, and I don't know if the the Oilers have that. I mean, there's sure there, there's a number of good ones out there that you could go and get, but you've got to give up a lot to get it. And I don't well, know Buffalo's if the Oilers have Buffalo's not no. going to retain half the salary. Well, the the more, and I said this to you the other day, the more the more salary that Buffalo retains, the higher the price it is for that player. So, okay, you want me to, I'll trade you this for, you give me so-and-so and so-and-so. Oh, you want me to retain $4 million too? Well, now you're going to have to sweeten the pot and give me this too. So you're going to be giving up quite a bit to get a Taylor Hall. But I I just think right now going into the playoffs, because I believe the Oilers are a playoff team and they'll be in the top three by the end of the season. Uh, So that means they'll have to go against both Winnipeg and Toronto probably. I just think they need a a major upgrade on their left-hand side for their second line. Because you're hand, you're handicapping either Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl with the left hand, the, with the left wingers you have right now. If you well, don't have R and H on your line. As for the Columbus goalies, oh yeah, I mean something's going to give there. Um, Merzlikins. This year he's played 11 games. He has a 9.08 save percentage. Yeah, and the problem is with we don't get to see or don't see well, I think the he's American good, team. But so, I, yeah, I, I think mean, he's, he's good too. He's 26. He's a little older. He played in Switzerland a lot. We just haven't seen. He was really good last year, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, okay. is he better than Koskinen? Well, I, I would say that he is. Do we know he can absolutely be, you know, a number one starter? I don't, I, I, I don't know. know that yet. I, mean, I don't know either. I'm, I'm sure someone will make a trade for him. But again, to, to trade, you have to have something that the other team wants. Well, that's a good point. I mean, if there's, there could be ten teams looking for a better goaltender. They're all gonna, mm-hmm. they're, yeah. they're all gonna be in. You know, they don't. The teams don't ask the Oilers first. They ask the team with the best offer first <laughs> if, if they'd like to make a deal. Okay, all I, right, Edmonton. Have, what do you want, Edmonton? Okay, 
okay, you get first choice. Okay, you want him? Okay, you can have him, and then we'll go to the rest league. No, uh, it, it didn't. it's fun talking trades, but mo- usually the trades that we come up with are always better for us than it is for the other team. All right, uh, we'll get to Perry in a couple minutes. You're also going to hear from Leon Dreisaitl. Oilers fall 2-1 in Vancouver. It's Heartland Ford overtime open line. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in. Tyler Myers scores the winning goal halfway through the third. Vancouver knocks off Edmonton 2-1. Tonight, the three stars of the game, Myers number three, Dreisaitl number two, Demko number one. The fourth star of the game is for Mr. Mike's Steakhouse Casual, your hockey destination. Make your reservation at mrmikes.com. CA. Rob, do you want to pick somebody tonight? Star for the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, well, fourth go. star. Let's go with Koskinen. He gave them a chance. All right. All right. Miko Koskinen. You don't, sound, makes... you, don't, you don't sound excited about that. No, he was fine. I mean, only I three thought... guys got points. <laughs> the big, the big <laughs> three each got points. No, I thought Koskinen did, did make some. I mean, he allowed two goals, so which he has in most of his recent starts. So he's usually given him a chance to win. Uh, Demko was uh, excellent with 34 saves. Koskinen made 26 stops. Okay, we have Perry on the line, who's also going to finish the play. But first, Perry, give us your thought or your question. Hey guys, um, always enjoy listening to the show. Um, uh, I have a comment, and 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 then uh, a little bit of an interesting uh, question for you. Uh, so my comment um, from tonight, I found the game to be really ticky-tacky. It, it, it seemed to be, I don't know if Vancouver was just clogging it up or it seemed like we couldn't break out. We we were just, I don't know, nothing too crisp tonight. But anyway, the end result is the end result. Um, and I do agree with uh, your uh, previous caller and Rob, your comment on uh, – we need we need another forward. We need a left winger. There's absolutely no doubt about that. So I don't know. Uh, I've been listening to some of the comments on TV and stuff, and they're saying, yeah, pretty good hockey game, uh, pretty clean and stuff. And I, I just didn't see it that way tonight. I, I, I thought it was really sort of clogged up and, I don't know, just clutchy grabby. Well, uh, <laughs> the goal is a perfect example. But here, here I want to shift gears a little bit and ask you guys a question and make a comparison and see what your your thoughts are. You know, uh, this last while we lost uh, Walter Gretzky, so we're, we're watching a lot of old Oilers tape from the 80s and watching those games. What what do you guys think if the, you know, the 83, 84, 85 Oilers played against the team today in a seven-game series, what would happen? Well, the Oilers today would win because all these 83 guys are way too old. Most of them can't even skate anymore. Um, though I, the, it would, well, it's hard, different eras. That team, the, the 80s teams were way, way better than the Oilers are here today. Relative to the rest of the league. Relative to the rest of the league. Now, the players nowadays are, are bigger, stronger, faster, more talented. Goaltending equipment. Goaltending equipment, <laughs> sticks, skates, all equipment. I mean, like, I've got sticks from when I played in the late 80s, and they're about 20 pounds each. They're all wood. <laughs> and nowadays they got these components and things that are, you know, six ounces, and, and you can fire the puck 30 miles an hour faster. But I, I, I compare it by they were winning championships, and this team right here is trying to make the playoffs. So that way they were way better. But the kids, I, I mean, I, I teach kids, and what the kids can do nowadays is so much further ahead than when I played. 
they're trying things they're more they they the skill level the shots the uh, passing the skating everything's better but the one thing that is the great teams have the great players have is they still are smarter they still think the game better and you can have all these players that are playing today may have more skill than what I don't know, Wayne Gretzky, but there's not a player in the National Hockey League that can think the game like Wayne Gretzky did. So I think that's what separates some of the greats from years gone by. That's a great comment, and, and just one one addition to that. We always hear, you know, over the last, you know, comparing to the teams of 20 and 30 years ago or 40 years ago or whatever, um, oh, the game is so much faster now. Jeez, wow, guys, I went to a lot of in-person games uh, in the 80s. I don't know those guys weren't slow no they weren't it is faster though there are a lot of reasons why you watch an old game and I, it's funny because they're on all the time now it is neat every once in a while you turn one on the the clutching and the grabbing and the hooking like it used to be i remember one game i was playing and i was on the third line i was a checking line and we played against anaheim and the coach before the game said tonight you're you're going head-to-head against korea solani and i think it was steve ruchin was the centerman and every face-off i was lining up against timu solani and as soon as the puck dropped, I grabbed his jersey. And I would not let go of that jersey for at least three or four seconds because there was no way I was ever going to catch him. I mean, now, I mean, it's automatic penalty. You can't do that. But back then, never got a penalty for it. If he was skating up the ice, I'd put my stick in his midsection, and he would pull me the length of the ice because I was not letting him get away from me. So the reason the game is quicker, and all this whole new generation of kids that are coming up now have played their whole minor hockey career, junior career, college career, without obstruction and that's why the game is faster that way because you can go through the neutral zone unimpeded and you are going full speed at all times back when i played and back in those 80s games yeah i mean you it was a much more vicious a rougher uh more clutch and grab type of hockey exciting fun to watch but you you were allowed to hold on to people and not allow them to get going full speed Nowadays, you can't do that. All right, Perry, you're going to finish the play. You already have a Hungry Herd premium sampler box. Top quality meats delivered right to your door at everyday low prices. Alberta owned and operated. Cody, roll it. McDavid, and we've got a broken stick. One-timer score. Leon Dreisaitl ties the game. All right, was that goal scored even strength or on the power play? Yeah, God. Uh... The Oilers had more guys on the ice. <laughs> on the power play. <laughs> that is correct, Perry, with a nice assist from Rob Brown. Your name's going Thank into the you, grand Rob. prize draw <laughs> for a $1,000 gift certificate to PF Custom Countertops, or pardon me, to uh, Visions Electronics. It's courtesy PF Custom Countertops. Support local with a PF renovation. Get started at pfcustomcountertops.com. Com. Horvat on the power play, Dreisaitl on the power play in the second period, Myers even strength in the third. The Canucks win it 2-1. Courtesy Mattress Superstore, let's hear from Leon Dreisaitl. Hey, Leon, uh, looked like you guys had a pretty good effort today. He came out in the first period and really kind of dominated. It was just one of the cases of, you know, their goalie made some big saves at key times for, you, for them tonight. Uh, yeah, I think so. I thought we played pretty well for the most part. Um Definitely had enough chances, I think, to win the game. Um, yeah, their goalie was good at the end. I thought we had a couple of chances where, you know, the, the puck could have could have easily went went in. Um, they made some good blocks, so um, that's unfortunate. 
What, what is it about back-to-backs is you guys that you, you come out with that energy in that second game? Usually you think it'd be a dip, but you guys seem to, to play almost better in the second game of back-to-back. I guess. What is it about that with you guys? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think uh, we just take pride in that um, to have a good start, and that just kind of flows into the rest of the game. Um, you know, teams think that we're going to be tired, um, but you know, we put a focus on you know pushing back and um, yeah, just just focusing on having a good start, and that that you know kind of follows into the rest of the game. So um, I think. No, no problem playing back-to-backs. Mark Spector, Sportsnet. Hey, Leon, sometimes a team loses because it just doesn't play very well. I didn't think that was the case tonight. I thought you guys played, frankly, pretty well. Uh, is this just in the course of a long season that sometimes you play, sometimes you don't play great and you win, and sometimes you play pretty well and you don't win? Is that where we're at here? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, again, I, I think we played really well for the most part. Um, we dipped a little bit in the third for for a couple minutes, but other than that, um, I thought you know we we were the better team. Um, but sometimes that's just the way it goes. We had we had games this year probably where we weren't the better team and we won. So um, yeah, we just have to regroup and go to Calgary and um, try and win a couple games. Stuff's getting a little tighter here. You know, Winnipeg wins tonight. Uh, Montreal loses to Calgary. Vancouver wins. There's, the standings just got about two points tighter tonight. Uh, does it sort of make it a little more, I don't know if it's important is the right word, but you're going into Calgary for a couple games. They're not that far behind you. You know, it should be a, it's fun two games in Calgary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously they, they got two wins with the new coach, so uh, those are going to be tight games, uh, playoff type games. Um, so yeah, we're going to have to be ready and make sure that we come out with two two good efforts. Brian Rashog, TSN. Yeah, Leon, just wanted to ask you about like the traits that a good team has. You know, you'll you'll bump into these losses now and then, but just kind of putting it behind you and and rolling right along without really letting it be too big a blip on the radar. Just how you know that's you know the role you guys have been on you know for a while here. Um, sorry, what's the question? <laughs> sorry, yeah, that was a little ugly. Uh, no. just the just, just the idea that a good team will take these bumps and bounce back with good efforts. And that's kind of the team you guys want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's what good teams do. Uh, we, we obviously never want to lose two or three in a row. Um, it happens uh, throughout a season. Uh, every team every team has it. Um, but obviously, we want to limit it to, to one game here and, um, you know, go into Calgary and, like I said, have two, two good efforts and try and come up with a couple wins. All right, yeah, the Oilers will try to bounce back Monday in Calgary, losing 2-1 to Vancouver tonight. How about the Oilers' farm team, the Bakersfield Condors, 4-3 in overtime over San Jose. Eight straight wins for the Condors. Ryan McLeod, he is just on fire. He gets a goal and three assists, including out of the penalty box, breakaway scores the game winner in OT. So 4-3 for the Condors as we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. In the NHL tonight, it was Calgary beating Montreal 3-1. The Jets beat the Maple Leafs 5-2. 
Sharks over the Ducks, 3-1. Rangers shut out Boston, 4-0. Blue Jackets beat Dallas, 4-3 in overtime. Penguins blank the Sabres, 3-zip. Islanders get by the Devils, 3-2. The Islanders are 18-6-4. Capitals win, 5-4 in Philadelphia. Lightning over the Predators, 6-3. Panthers over Chicago, 4-2. Golden Knights pound the Blues, 5-1. At the Briar, Edmonton's Brendan Botcher representing Alberta. We'll play Saskatchewan in the semifinal tomorrow at 12.30. Kevin Cooey, who is also an Alberta rink, but in the Briar as a wildcard team, got the bye to the final. That'll be at 6.30. So Botcher against Dunstone in the semi, and then the winner gets Cooey in the evening. We'll take a quick timeout. Heartland Ford, overtime open line. All right, Oilers lose 2-1 to the Vancouver Canucks. By the way, Josh Archibald returned tonight after missing some games. He plays 10 and a half minutes, three shots on goal. Three hits. His presence is the adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com slash hockey. Canucks 2, Oilers 1 is the final. Uh, we got a couple guys on the line here. We're a little tight for time, so I'll, I'll ask you to uh, keep it to uh, 30 to 40 seconds. We'll start with Dean. Dean, go ahead. You're on with Robin Reed. Yeah. Uh, in regards to the Vancouver first goal, does the NHL or refs ever factor in the safety of the players? Because I thought that was a little excessive, you know, and I, I don't think anybody wants to really see a Clint Malarchuk scenario anymore. You know? uh, good point. Um, I, I don't think that's going through the ref's mind. Uh, I, well, sorry, I, I'm sure if there's somewhere where he thinks, okay, this someone's in danger a whistle will go but i don't think that went through his mind when he was watching he's watching the puck and to me it was i don't think there was any danger on the play i think the ref made the right call after seeing the video i think i was a little surprised and i think reed was when you're watching it live you think okay here's the whistle no no here's the whistle normally it doesn't take that long but i give credit to the referee that referee was standing you know with his hand on the net yelling at the players that the puck was loose. So he told the players they all knew it, and Vancouver Canucks kept going, and good on them. All right, we also have Rocket on the line. Go ahead, Rocket. Well, if, I've, if I'm ever going to wish for a loss in the National Hockey League by the Edmonton Oilers, it's tonight. They, the battle level, if, if, if you have the battle level like they have, you're going to win more than you're going to lose. And tonight, the battle level was there. This isn't a lack of anything or uh, any player or any deficiency, goaltending, nothing. This was just a game where Vancouver got... Okay. All right. Thanks, Rocket. You know you can't say those words, man. you got to be better than that. All right, Rob. Well, going into Calgary against the uh, Daryl Sutter coach Flames here on Monday and Wednesday. Well, I, I think you're going to see a different Flame team than what we saw last time. I think the compete level will be harder. I think they'll be harder to play against. They'll be better defensively. There's some guys that uh, were in the doghouse for, for Jeff Ward that have a new lease on life. One of them is Sam Bennett. You're going to see a, a new player in Sam Bennett. He's he's a Sutter kind of hockey player, and he's going to be loving the fact he's going to get more ice time. They are going to be a hard team to play against, and the Oilers are going to have to earn every ounce or every inch of the ice. They're going to have to earn every scoring opportunity. I ex- I, I know that I, I heard a couple of players talk about it before. It's going to be playoff atmosphere hockey for the Calgary Flames because if they want to make the playoffs, they got to start putting a run together. They've started the run. 
but teams ahead of them they have to catch, you've got to beat them. So it's going to be a big series for the Calgary Flames. And the Oilers want to stop at one loss. They don't want to make it two or three or whatever it is. They got a tough stretch of games up right now. I think it's going to be a fun game. It'll be the first fun Battle of Alberta game this year, I believe. All right, so that's coming up on Monday, 5.30 face-off show. The game will start at 7 right here on 6.30 Shed. And, of course, Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2 on Monday. More on this game tonight on 6.30Shed.com, globalnews.ca, as the Canucks take it 2-1. It is spring forward, so if you haven't done it already, move your clocks ahead one hour before you go to bed tonight. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer, and to Cody Jansen, our studio producer tonight, back at 6.30. Chet, you've been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line from the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thank you for listening. Have a great night. 6.30, Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30, Chad.